It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Minnesota Wild, they lose in a shootout. That's two games back-to-back losing to Vegas. Still in the playoffs, though. But we'll talk to Joe O'Donnell, play-by-play announcer for the uh, Minnesota Wild. He'll we'll get his thoughts on this season, what he's seen, what what what's going on in that wild locker room, and what are their thoughts long term? Where do they think they can go? Because in the building, we know there's a different voice. But there was a Final Four played. There was a championship played last night. UConn is the champion. One is UConn a blue blood? Because people are saying there wasn't any blue bloods in this tournament. UConn, can we consider them a blue blood? And why was the women's tournament so much more exciting than the men's? But I think there was only up to a point, and we'll talk about that next, coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, I'm Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm going to bring my producer in, Sam Ekstrom. We got Joe Donald joining us in the Hangout with Ron Johnson segment today. He works for the Minnesota Wild. He's the play-by-play announcer. He is one of the best. And the hockey team, they're in the playoffs, so we got to talk to him and get his ideas. We also, this week, stay tuned because we have uh, Michael Grady coming on. He is the play-by-play for the Timberwolves. So we're doing a full winter play-by-play, I guess, week, you want to call it. But remember... This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started. And also remember, people, you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your Amazon Fire and your Roku device. Just search Locked On Sports Minnesota. You'll see our faces right there on your TV. You can get all of our videos, all of our shows. Well, like I said in the show, we're going to talk about uh the timberwolves we have to talk about the wild um but i'm gonna jump out there first before i jump into the wild i'm gonna jump out there the final four is all done congratulations to evan mcgraw uh he won he picked uconn he won uh the the locked on sports minnesota pot uh my money my my i'm gonna shoot him the money today 100 bucks congratulations to evan mcgraw he picked the huskies to win so i think whoever had picked the huskies there's a bunch of guys that jumped up there to pick the huskies last minute out of the blue so honestly the way these tournaments go and these brackets go if you pick a winner you probably have a high chance of winning if you do well early all of my final four guys were done uh i know sam you had ucla you had no shot either um it's just one of those things where when you pick the winner but when you look at the final four women's and men's i personally don't think the women's tournament was exciting the entire time this is my take on this because everybody's saying like, man, the women's tournament was so much more exciting than the men's. No, this is what I think. I, Cause I, I honestly, I don't think anybody watched the round of 64 for the women. I don't think anybody watched the 32 when it got down to the sweet 16. That's when the Caitlin Clark things, the Haley van lifts that started happening. And then people started like, Whoa, 
this girl just Haley Van Lip just went off on this girl, told her to go to Miami, like have fun. And then, whoa, wait, did she just you can't see me? John Cena to, to Haley Van Lip? Whoa, what did she just do it back to like we were involved in the drama? We were involved in the big names down the stretch, Don Staley, uh um, uh Kim Mulkey. Like we were involved in that, all the antics, like it got exciting in the sweet 16 for the women, but for the men, everybody, people were watching the playing games. They were watching the round of 64, the 32, the sweet 16. Then it got boring. I hate to say it. It was reversed. The men started out hot. Everybody was excited about their brackets. They're watching it. And then FAU wins. And then uh, I think Princeton won. Big name, big team started getting knocked off the board, which took the excitement out of it. Like if it was Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and UConn, leave UConn in it. Everybody's watching it because they're like, oh, man, we got Duke in this. We got Kansas or Kansas. You know, we got Alabama or Houston in this. Everybody's still going to be dialed in because Alabama, we know, had one of the best players in the country. He's, quote, unquote, going to be a, a top five draft pick. So I think that's where it was. The stars their teams didn't step up and win these games. The women's did not let us down. Their stars stayed in and won these games. And that's why the women's final four and the elite eight even were better than the men's because the men's stars got eliminated. And, and the question is FAU. Now here's where the thing is. I heard this today. Is teams like FAU and San Diego State now in jeopardy of losing their guys to bigger schools with NIL money? Because that's the next step. Like if you're FAU and you all of a sudden hit the big stage and nobody knows you, now they know you. What's the chances he stays at FAU or he ends up at UConn or he ends up at Villanova? That's just my thoughts. But I think it was in reverse. The women started out slow, got hot because the stars showed up. Caitlin Clark, uh, Haley Van Lith, like they showed up. The Benz, the stars. They lost the big blue blood. They lost other than UConn. That's why I think it was a change. I don't know, Sam. What do you think? So I follow a few people on Twitter that tweet a lot about TV ratings and the numbers that they're putting out for the championship in the women's game are, I think, record setting. I think it's not even close to the the next closest or next most viewed women's championship game of all time. It was like 9.9 million. Mm-hmm. And that was a Sunday afternoon, Ron. Remember, if it had been Sunday night, that number probably even goes up. I thought the women's final four stole the weekend. Uh, the men's buzzer beater was fun in the, in the first game Saturday. But then last night's game, the championship, it was competitive for about three minutes down the stretch <laughs> where San Diego State cut it to five very briefly and then UConn hit a three, and and from that point on, it was over. Um, it wasn't really that compelling. There weren't a lot of stars to get behind. Really didn't know much about the coaches either. Um, Brian Dutcher's dad, you know, Jim, he used to coach for the Gophers. There's the Minnesota connection. But uh, I felt like storyline-wise, way more to talk about with the women. I thought the biggest storyline last night was Jim Nance's final, final four game. Like, that was the biggest storyline in my mind. Um, the game itself wasn't that interesting. Well, I, I actually watched a little bit of the pregame. It was like a two-hour pregame show so on ESPN. So I watched a little bit, but I, I did like the story. Like I said, I talked about yesterday, Steve Fisher's son uh, who suffers from ALS, but he's on the staff, and they've continued to um, um, keep him around, and he's doing a great job. Steve Fisher kind of explained the device he's using, uh, how Steve Fisher helped him out, uh, but he wants to be around for his son through this stretch of life. Um, and, and that was one compelling story. You also had Hurley. 
Bobby Hurley's little brother is coaching. And so when you see him coaching, even like you go back to the days of his, like he had a real iconic moment uh, a couple years ago, I think 2020, they got knocked out. He said, yeah, you guys better beat us now because we're coming, which Deion Sanders is saying the same thing now, but, and he's here, he won. And so he was right. You better knock us off now while we're young. Cause once we get going, we're going to win. And that's why it's good for UConn. I think more schools are going to take a look at that. They're, they don't have the one and dones. They built it. They, I mean, they did have, I think, one or two transfers come in, but they built it. Those guys are not like freshmen and trying to go win something. They they built it a little bit. Uh, some guys are still there from the 2020, uh, yeah, the 2020 team. And so, um, you know, even those stories, and you look at like him way back in the day when he was like super excited with his team and then corporate it up to do the handshake line with the coaches so like he's he he had some stories bobby hurley was in there as well because we know bobby hurley's a coach too um but yeah you're right there were no stars there were no big names there were no jalen roses chris weber's um you know greg Ostertag. you know with the oak uh, i'm going way back in the day with north carolina yeah. but you know there were no big t- there were no carmelo anthony's Dwayne wade's you know like there were no names like that uh chet homerin jalen suggs like there's not there wasn't that the guys that should have been there Alabama, Duke, Kentucky, with guys that are going to be, you know, top 10 picks, they lost. And I think that's the problem. If you have those top 10 quote unquote picks playing in the final four, people are going to watch because they're like, man, this kid is the next guy. Like he's the next, you know, Kevin Durant or he's the next whatever. You didn't have that. Like Victor, people wanted to see Victor Wambayamba probably play more so they wanted to see this, this, this final four for the men. Like honestly, like they, they would have rather seen him commit to one of those schools to be able to play. If he had went to UConn instead of the G league or wherever he's at overseas, I think that's part of it. Like there was no star and the women did though. They had Caitlin Clark. She's one of the best college basketball players ever. I do want people to relax though. Cause you're forgetting. I mean, Diana Taurasi is my girl. So let's, let's pump the brakes on the best ever. She's really good. Yes. She's doing some things in college basketball that have not been done. Yes. But do not forget about, Paige Beckers, because she's coming back next year for her senior year off of injury, year and a half, almost two years of injury. Um, so we'll see if she can get it going again. But Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, Rebecca Lobo, like, come on. Like, Cheryl Swoops, let's pump the brakes yeah. a little bit. Candace Parker, like, yeah, Caitlin Clark is that girl. But do not forget, Diana Taurasi was that woman. Like, she was the best. Like, she won everything, and that's the big difference. Now, the other difference, too, UConn those days had a team. Like they they were a full team uh, of of stars where Iowa is just hurt because people are like oh Iowa's a good team now nah, they're Caitlin Clark that's what they are um, so it'll be interesting to see like what happens with this men's versus women's uh, the NIL this offseason because now what Miami did get into the Final Four with their nine hundred thousand more more coaches and schools are going to say hey this is the way to do it but we do have to talk about the Wild they they did lose in a shootout um, three to two. <sighs> More shots on goal, but they just couldn't find a way to win that game. But we do have Joe O'Donnell coming up next in the Ron Johnson Show. He's going to sit down and talk to us about the Minnesota Wild, the playoff run, and what can happen going forward with this team. Kirill Kaprizov, are we going to see him again? We'll talk about that next. But remember, Locked On Sports is a proud partner with Care 11. Just go to care11.com backslash locked on to see all of our videos, all of our shows. will be right there on your computer. And we have a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. And as the NBA playoffs approach, it's a great time to join 
New customers can claim a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, download the safe, secure, super easy-to-use FanDuel Sportsbook app. Bet on money lines, point scorers, three-pointers drained. You can stack the bets up within the same game for a same-game parlay for some big-time payouts. Get that no-sweat first bet. New customers up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, check out FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, now I got Joe O'Donnell joining me in the Hangout with Ron Johnson segment. Uh, super random, ran into Joe O'Donnell while I was doing work for game one, uh, dropping off some hockey jerseys or uh, ho- well, hockey jerseys and sweatshirts for Benil St. Margaret High School. And, and Joe O'Donnell happened to be in there. We were introduced and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been to one game, one game. Todd Fredersen invited me out to the playoff game last year. So I'm going to try to get to a playoff game this year. Uh, just my, 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 my daughter's softball and all that stuff with Mission Fast Pitch. I just don't have a ton of time. Um, but I do want to try to get to another game. Uh, so it would be my second official NHL uh, game in my life. But uh, looking forward to it. But, Joe, uh, thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Um, I'm going to jump out there quick, man. Like, you got into this business. Uh, at what point in your life did you realize, like, hey, I can do play-by-play for hockey? Well, thanks for having me on, Ron. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, maybe we'll just call you Playoff Ron if you only come around for the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs. Is that hey, the deal? Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> All right. I like that. Um, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I, You know, I, I went to the University of Delaware. I knew I wasn't going to play hockey. I found that pretty quickly out my with my <laughs> very average high school career. Um, and so one of the first days there, I went to the radio station. I was like, I want to call hockey games you know, like the freshman orientation type deal. And uh, they were like, sure, show up at the rink on Friday. I got to know some of the staff. I passed the radio station tests you got to take. Started to get on air a little bit. And then I think by junior year, I was calling games. Um, And that was sort of like, all right, this is something I want to pursue. It's something I want to do. And uh, I just seemed to have a little bit of a knack for it. At no point, you know, obviously you want to get to the NHL, right? But like, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's ever like a, I can do this moment because there's so many great broadcasters out there. You really just have to catch some breaks. You got to get a little lucky. You got to stay with it, have some people in your corner. I've uh, been fortunate enough to be with the Wild organization for, well, since 2008 uh, down in Houston of the American League. Then the Houston team moved to Iowa. I was there for eight years. Uh, and then when Bob Kurtz started to scale back on his games, I got an opportunity to, to jump in and do some games with Tom Reed and, it was a dream come true, really, uh, sort of a goal achieved, and, and I'm really thrilled to be here with my family this year doing every game on the radio on uh, on KFAN and the Wild Radio Network, and it's it's been awesome so far. Yeah, and so speaking of the Wild uh, Radio Network, uh, I was hosting KFAN on uh, Sunday, I think, Sam, right? Yeah, I did Sunday sermons on Sunday uh, for Dan Barrero. He was out and uh, got a bunch of text messages because me and Kevin Foulness always get into it about chicken. And it was a big chicken debate. Do you wash your chicken? Do you not wash your chicken? I'm not going to ask you that. Um, but how annoying is Kevin Foulness? Like how? Because you work with him, or how much fun is? Because some people he annoys them, they love him, and then some people are just like, look, Kevin's great. But but how is it working with Kevin Foulness? I think I'd rather answer the chicken question. <laughs> do do no, you wash it. your chicken? Like when yeah, you get I a chicken, chicken breast, yeah, I clean it. But do you have like I'm a special bowl and right? Like you got no. a special bowl, you just wash it. I'll and... take it out of the package. I'll rinse it off. I'll trim Thank it off. Thank you. It needs to be trimmed, and that's that. 
Thank you. That that's going on social media. I'm te- I'm tagging Kevin Fowlness <laughs> because he swears that you don't need to wash it. I'm like I like I look at that gook in there in the packaging. I'm like yeah. you gotta wash that. Like, but yeah. that's just me. That's how I grew up. But yeah, but how is it working with Kevin Fowlness? It's great. Um, Kevin and I have known each other a long time. He does a lot of work behind the scenes for every broadcast. Um, obviously, you hear him pregame, postgame, intermission, uh, doing his podcast, hosting Wild Weekly with Brandon Molesky. Um, doing interviews to cut up audio for the pregame show or whatever. So yeah, he, he does a lot. Obviously you hear him a lot um, leading up to wild games and, and after wild games and on KFAN, but um, on, uh, you know, sort of behind the scenes, he puts in a lot of work uh, in the background to make sure that the broadcasts are as professional as they are. Yeah. Cause it's, it's funny. Cause I know him off like radio off, whatever. And so he's a total goofball. And then you see him get serious with hockey. So it always amazes me when I hear, like a radio broadcast, and I hear Kevin Fowlness maybe doing the pregame, and I'm like, "What?" Because they they did they did I think called they called me last year for the pregame show because I had gone to my first game, and so they called me like to ask me about it. Uh, it was before the next game, and just like you know, what did I think? What do I think is going to happen? So on and so forth. It was like him and Tennessee, and uh, so you know, I gave my takes, which I had no idea. I just my take is always whoever shoots the puck the most, they'll win. But that didn't happen. Like the Wild had more shots on goal against the the vegas and and they already had lost to vegas in vegas and then they home and home came home and they lose again why is like that not a formula because I, I hear a lot of coaches actually do say that like hey we got to get yeah. more shots on goal than them and we, we we you know we probably win this game but that didn't happen like what 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 happened in that night for the knights was it their goalie uh you know again is it Kirill kaprizov they, they still are missing his 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 stick handling i don't know what but you know what's going on with that where they they lose back to back to vegas well, you start to wonder a little bit if it's a matchup thing against the Golden Knights because Vegas won all three meetings of the season series. Now, the Wild played in February when Vegas came to town. The Wild were in a little bit of funk after the All-Star break. Maybe they played one of their worst games of the year. Vegas won 5-1. Mm-hmm. Saturday in Vegas, maybe a little bit of a hangover from the big win in Colorado and three nights in Vegas. Um, <laughs> the Wild score first, they lose 4-1. But last night in St. Paul, Minnesota played a good hockey game. Um, They deserved probably better than they got, which is the one point for the shootout loss. Vegas tied the game with 30 seconds left. Um, You know, if you you can get that puck, if you're the wild and you clear it out maybe one or two more times for your defensive zone, you probably win the hockey game. So it was a little frustrating that they came up a little short last night given the fact they were leading into the final uh, 37 seconds or whatever it was. Uh, But to your point about shooting the puck, you've got to. Uh, Dean Evison's talked about it all year long. You got to have a shooter's mentality, whether it's an individual player like Matt Boldy, who is now scoring at a torrid clip because he's shooting more, or whether it's just getting pucks past the other team's shot blockers, through to the net, rebounds, tips, greasy goals, as we call them. Uh, it's important. But shot volume isn't always key, Ron. Mm-hmm. You go back to a game, you know, the Wild haven't lost in regulation, but uh, twice in the last 23 games or whatever. Wow. Right before that stretch was a loss to Colorado where they outshot the Avalanche in St. Paul 43 to 19. 43 to 19, and they lost the hockey game. So it's not always about shooting the puck, right? Sometimes you run into a hot goaltender, sometimes you catch a bad break or a bad bounce. But, you know, your initial point um, from afar, so to speak, I, I agree with. Like if you're possessing the puck, if you're generating opportunities, if you're winning foot races for some of those second and third chances around the side of the net, and having a high shot volume, you should generally have success most nights. 
And when you look at uh, Mark andre Fleury, or the flower, as they call him, last year in the playoffs, it was a question of who should be in, in, in between the pipes. Uh, should it be Fleury? Should it be the other guy? Now this year, he's back kind of in that again. Uh, what is that going to look like again this year, in your opinion? Like, do you think you go with uh, Flower and just say, you know what? Like last year, maybe we didn't give him enough chances. Or do you just play the hot hand and you kind of do your statistics and say, look, the last 10 games, here's, you know, how many goals you've given up. Here's how many goals you've given up. Be honest with both of them and say, this is why this guy's going to be in the pipes tonight. Well, last year, <clears throat> excuse me, last year, Mark andre Fleury was acquired because of his history, right? His pedigree, yep. the Stanley Cup championships, one of the winningest goalies ever. Cam Talbot actually played better down the stretch. Correct. Yet Flurry started game one. Um, Flurry started all the way until game six. Was that a mistake? I don't know. Hindsight's 2020. This year, I do believe that the Wild will explore you using both goaltenders, both Philip Gustafson, who's second in the league in goals against and save percentage, mm-hmm. and obviously the soon to be Hall of Famer, Mark Andre Fleury who's been just as good as Gustafson down the stretch numbers-wise. I think you might see both goaltenders, which in the NHL would be very rare when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Sometimes you see it, but mostly it's, here's our guy, and you know we play him until he loses or until he loses two in a row or three in a row. Uh, Sometimes you just ride him through the series. That's typically been the NHL over the last, I don't know how many years, right? You have your one and and your 1B, and that's that, right? Here's our starter, and we roll with them. Um, teams have used two goalies, but again, not to the point where I think the Wild might, which is like, hey, game one, maybe it's Gustafson. Game two could be Flurry. Game three could be Gustafson. The Wild have rotated them pretty much all year long. Even coming after a shutout or a 40-save performance, they'll go to the other guy the next game. And I think their thought process is like, if we're doing this now and it's working in the regular season, why would we change it in the playoffs? Just because the history of the NHL says to. Like, I, I think the Wild are going to seriously consider using both goalies. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, because you look at their save percentage. Uh, Gustafson is a nine point or point nine three two, and then Flurry is at 91%. Like, I mean, they're, they're both really high uh, save percentages. And and Flurry, though, his 91%, 1,100 shots, where uh, Gustafson's only seeing 900. So you do have to equate that, too. The minutes played, he has them by about 400 minutes played as well. For Flurry, has that edge. Um, so you have to take that into account. Like, hey, if this guy were to get 400 more minutes, what would his shots look like? Would his percentage drop down to 89? Maybe? You know, like you got to you got to play yep. that game. And only you know that as well, because, I mean, coaches look at that with with quarterbacks. Same thing when you're going into training camp. You know, if we have a quarterback controversy, more so in college than the NFL. Um, but what do we do? But when you look at, you know, going to a guy like Kirill Kaprizov. And uh, and funny, too, I was at uh, Tria last year when they were doing their exit physicals. I had no idea who he was. Like, I didn't realize until, like, all these, like, people in the lobby, like, start, like, fawning over the kid sitting over in the corner uh, who was about to walk out. And then I – and the only reason it, I thought about it is because I recognized Dumba. Um, and so when I saw Matt Dumba, I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, that's uh, – and I couldn't think of his name. And then I heard a kid say it. But he he looks so young. Like, he looks like a teenager, like a 15-year-old. Um, and so when you think about that, like, his youthfulness, his ability to who knows how long he can play uh, like a Sydney, Sydney Crosby. Um, do you think Kirill Kaprizov, because right now, 74 points, hasn't played it in God knows when, but he's still the number one point scorer on the team. You know, Zuccarella's getting close, 66. You got Eric Sinek, 61. You, like you said, Bodie at 60, who's on a, on a hot clip right now. Uh, but when you think about Kirill Kaprizov, when, you, when it's all said and done, if he were to continue to play at this speed, 
do you think he will be considered like a Sidney Crosby or do you think he can jump into that like Iserman, uh, never Gretzky, but you know, that conversation, like where do you think he'll fall? I think right now he's a top 10 player in the NHL, especially if you're taking out the goaltenders, you're just looking at skaters and, mm-hmm. and that might be on the conservative side. I mean, you could argue that he's the best left winger in the national hockey league. Um, his numbers have been outstanding. Every time he hits a milestone, you look at some of the other uh, players in his category, right? Like the fastest to 200 career points yeah. amongst active players. And the list is like Crosby, Ovechkin, uh, McDavid, and, and Kaprizov, right? Like it, it's just the, the company he's keeping early in his career is pretty remarkable. He's on that trajectory towards, you know, um, one of – obviously the all-time great Minnesota wild players, but certainly uh, potential to be one of the great players of this generation. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because of his work ethic, his compete level. Um, the fact that he's such an unselfish player from a team standpoint, I mean, Dean Evison, the wild head coach has said this before, like all Kaprizov wants to do is win. Like he doesn't care about the individual accolades and milestones and achievements. He wants to win hockey games. Last year he came into Dean Evison's office Dean thought he was going to complain about not getting enough ice time or this or that. And he was like, we're not winning right now. How do I help the team win more? So that's all you need to know about Kaprizov from a superstar standpoint. I think he is that good, Ron. I think he can be that good moving forward. You you list off some great names, some Hall of Famers. And if he plays 10 years in this league at the pace he's playing at right now, he'll be right there You know, as one of the greats, uh, obviously, of, of his generation. And I think he could start to talk about bigger picture uh, should we get that far. And when you look at the two centers uh, for for Edmonton, you got Connor McDavid and his counterpart, 146 points, 120 points. They lead the league one and two, and they're on the same team. What is Edmonton doing? Like, is there is the, are they just skating at a different speed than everybody else, and they have a different formula to say, look, I don't care where you are, just shoot it. Like, what what is going on in Edmonton uh, where you look at the Wild and they don't have anybody? even close to that and Kirill has only played 65 games and he is the number one guy like what what does Edmonton do uh that maybe the wild can eventually mimic whether it is bringing in another guy to help Kirill out or if it's finding a guy to skate alongside of him uh or or be in the second line to help him out like I don't know what the formula is but Edmonton that's that's crazy like what's going on there there's just nothing else to do in Edmonton except play hockey (laughs) they just skate 24 7 uh no, McDavid is, look, maybe arguably the greatest player um, right now. And, and, you know, maybe not even much of an argument. And potentially could go down as one of the greatest ever. Leon Dreisaitl is a running mate you touched on. Yeah, uh, He's just a machine. He's a huge, like, imposing figure on the ice. I, I consider him like a unit, right? Like, he's just, he's a beast. Um, and on the power play, they're both ridiculous. So, look, ultimately, they've got to win a Stanley Cup to get where they want to be in, the, in, the, you know, in their place in history. They haven't done that yet. Connor McDavid, still relatively young. Dreisaitl, still relatively young. But they're as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, they're going to end up with three players this year with 100 points because you're going to add Ryan Nugent Hopkins to that list. That's wow. something that I can't remember. You know, you probably got to go back to the 90s the last time that was done. Uh, with like some of those great Penguins teams or Red Wings teams. So it hasn't been done in a while. So, yes, to your point, they can score goals. They can fill up the stat sheet. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it in the spring. Last year they had a little bit of playoff success, but they lost 
uh, in the conference finals. He got swept mm-hmm. by the Avalanche, if I remember correctly. So they got further than they had in the past. They hadn't been out of the first round prior to last year. But it'll be interesting this year to see how they handle it. We all know it's like any playoff sport, right? In the NBA, things tighten up defensively. It becomes a half-court game. In the NHL, things are going to tighten up, right? You're going to have – if the Wild and Oilers play, for for instance, you're going to have Jonas Brodeen and or Jared Spurgeon on the ice every single time that McDavid and Dreisaitl are on the ice in a potential playoff matchup, especially when the games are in St. Paul where the home team gets the last change, right? They can kind of dictate the matchup. Um, and so McDavid's going to see that – he sees it all year now anyway, right? Always getting the top defensive pairings from the other team. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, when it generally becomes harder to score – and when the matchups and, and everything's intensified and scrutinized, uh, we'll see how McDavid and Dreisaitl will do. You know they're going to get their points ultimately in a long series, but it's can they get over the top? Can they get to a Stanley Cup final? Can they win a Stanley Cup? Those are the big questions there in Edmonton with two of the game's great players. And last one before we get out of here, we head to the Daily Three. That's me, Joe, Donald, and uh, Sam Ekstrom is going to join the show. He's going he's gonna to throw the questions out. Joe's going to get most of the time. I'll pick up where he left off. That's three questions, three minutes each. Uh, before you jump into that, Joe, um, again, brought up this. Kirill Kaprizov is out. What is, what, what, what is inside the building or, or the staff or the coaches? What are they kind of saying to the media what the timeline is for Kirill Kaprizov? Well, he's going to practice with the team tomorrow. Um, and when that happens, it's my understanding you saw Docs yesterday. He's been skating a couple days on his own, uh, but he will practice with the team tomorrow uh, is my understanding. And if that occurs, then it's all systems go. Uh, okay. My guess is he would need maybe one more team practice and then probably get into the last game or two of the regular season, potentially more than that, but I don't see the need for that, right? It's Kaprizov. You know he's a gamer. Mm-hmm. Get him up to game speed with a game or two at the most and then put them in bubble wrap for the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> you know, the Wild clinched last night, their 12th ever playoff appearance. You want to be healthy going in. Um, last year, they really pushed hard for first-round home ice advantage over the Blues, and it didn't end up really benefiting Minnesota much. This mm-hmm. year, I think they'll be a touch more careful. I think they'll they'll look to make sure guys are more ready and rested for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And if they have to play on, uh, you know, a neutral site, somebody else's building on Pluto, like I think they'd rather be healthy and ready to go then so focused on we've got to win every one of our last five games. We've got to get Kaprizov as many games as possible because ultimately I think they want to be at their best for the playoffs with, with the health factor being uh, paramount. Yeah, I will say I've been in the building for the playoffs at home. I do understand home ice. Um, that atmosphere is nuts. And I was told I was spoiled uh, because the game I went to, it was like three consecutive goals. Uh, by the wild and so it was like non-stop people jumping up swinging the white flags or the white tiles and so yeah I heard I was by the people in like next to me because they realized who I was from Vikings game day live and then they also heard me on K-Fan and realized it was my first game and so they were like just telling me everything going on in the game and like look it never really happens like this so don't think every time you go to a hockey game you're gonna see <laughs> three to four back-to-back-to-back goals between you know I think it was like four goals in the span, I can't remember, it was the Blues game or whoever they played last year at home, but it was like four goals within like a span of minutes because I think the Wild scored, the Blues scored, and then the Wild scored two. And I think it was a hat trick even because the hats were thrown on the ice. So it was it was a crazy playoff game and atmosphere uh, that I'm glad me and my wife got to enjoy. Um, and, and you threw this out there about, about Kirill. He's, he is going to be skating with the team, hopefully. Uh, and then at that point, like you said, like with skating, you don't just jump back on the ice if you're hurt still. Um, because that's painful in, in its in itself. But how important is he? Last one. How important is he to this team to be able to make it to the Stanley Cup final? 
Crucial. I mean, he is the biggest piece. Uh, I think it's been good that the Wild have played well without him. I think there will be a little transition getting him back as far as just reshuffling the lines. But you hope it's like riding a bike, right? Where like you just you haven't forgotten it. You just take a second, you're right back in the swing of things. But he's ultimately the biggest piece to the puzzle for Minnesota um, because of his game breaking ability. He's a, he's a superstar. Uh, when the game's on the line, he plays his best, right? He you can just tell there's nights where he's the hungriest player on the ice. He will not be denied, and that sort of mentality coupled with his skill set, um, if the Wild play the right way defensively and have a superstar like Kaprizov in their lineup, I think they've got a good chance to get out of the first round, which will be much needed for this Wild fan base that uh, has been just begging for the for this team to go on a run in the playoffs. Well, as I say, we got the Daily 3 coming up. That's three questions, three minutes each. But, hey, remember, you can check out the Minnesota Football Party four days a week from Monday to Thursday. Get your Vikings fixed with Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom on Locked On Sports Minnesota. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. Uh, let me tell you about NFL Draft Buzz. That is the NFL Draft newsletter authored by our own Luke Inman here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Get up to date on everything happening in the draft world, rankings, stories, links to other Locked On shows. It's NFL Draft Buzz. Subscribe at LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Well, it's time for the part of the show I love the most, and that's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. All right, this question is for Ron because Ron loves talking movies. But Joe, uh, let me let me direct it to you first. What is the best hockey movie ever made? This is a tough one, man. I'm not going to lie, and I'm going to be on the fence a little bit here, and I'm going to apologize that for that in advance. But obviously, you got to put Miracle up there somewhere, right? Just because of how much it meant to the hockey world, it's still talked about forty plus years later, and what it meant culturally. Uh, given the Cold War and the whole dynamic there, U.S. and Russia. So Miracle, obviously, a great hockey movie. But I love Youngblood. Uh, Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, uh, Keanu Reeves. It's just a, it's a great hockey movie. Um, so I, I would take Youngblood. But you can't forget about the younger generation. You know, I was born in 1980. So growing up really like sort of late 80s, early 90s, the Mighty Ducks uh, movies, the trilogy, the initial three there. I certainly got to give a little stick tap to those as well. Yeah, for me, um, <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I don't really watch, like I told I, everybody knows that. I'm not a big hockey guy. I grew up in Detroit, but that wasn't some African-American young inner city black kids did. We didn't go to Red Wings games. Like, it just wasn't something we thought about doing. Um, but I did get introduced to hockey because of the Mighty Ducks. I had no idea it was out of Minnesota uh, until actually being here for a while and realizing like the movie and people talking about Adam Banks and Edina and cake eaters and all that. So I have to go with Mighty Ducks. But here's some that I've heard, like Slapshot. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Um, uh, what was the other one uh, that I was going to say? Like, oh, you just said it. Uh, Miracle on Ice. I've never seen that. Like, And so some of these I just don't know. Goon. Like, again, but the one that, that gets me every time is like Happy Gilmore, because when you put in hockey movie, Happy Gilmore comes up because he was a hockey guy. And so if they're going to consider Happy Gilmore a hockey movie, I got to go with hockey, uh, Happy Gilmore. But it's like a golf movie. So I don't know. It's like a crossover. It's a crossover of golf and hockey. But I got to go with Mighty Ducks. That's a classic. That's one. But I am going to um because i know we're going on vacation for my daughter's not vacation my daughter's softball team we're going to colorado we have a couple trips iowa colorado so i do plan on because i know those days are like long days at the park 
Um, and so I do plan on downloading some of those type of movies because uh, I kind of made a list of some older. There's some other movies I need to watch, but yeah, I'll go with Mighty Ducks. I'm, I'm just going to say that for me, that's always going to be the one. There was another one. I can't remember what it was. It was more of like a killer movie, but like they killed a dude on oh, yeah. the ice with a Sun and Death. Yeah, yep, that was Jean-Claude it. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. There it is. Yep. So so that would be up there for me too cuz I do remember that one. I remember I remember the Zamboni and the guy getting killed. Like that's all I remember. I'm I'm going to get crushed for not saying Slapshot. I'm fully aware of that, but uh and that's fine. But I just, you know, I, I got to stick with with my guns. The the ones I've watched the most, most Miracle, Young Blood yeah. and, and Mighty Ducks. I saw a Slapshot very late in life and I didn't think it translated as well. I think you had to see it more in its era to really appreciate it. I didn't I didn't love Slapshot when I saw it. Miracle's my number 1 with a bullet. It's just so good. And like they didn't and it's obviously a a very made for Hollywood kind of script like being the Soviets, the team that had won four in a row and uh, you beat them in such improb- improbable fashion, but they didn't have to make any of it up. It all happened. It was all real. Very cool. Um, next one for you, Joe. You touched on your path to being a play-by-play announcer. I'm curious, along the way, were there any obscure or unusual events that you got to call that are that are amusing or noteworthy? Well, I mean, hockey-wise, uh, I feel like I've seen a lot. I still haven't called a goalie goal, which I'm hoping for. Uh, but I have seen and called uh, a line brawl or, or two and a goalie fight uh, years ago. But from like another sport perspective, I, I really didn't broadcast other sports. Even in college, I did a couple of innings of baseball once upon a time. I did some color analysis on like a lacrosse game, maybe a soccer match. But for the most part, I was all hockey. Um, so when when you pose that question, the thing that comes to mind most recently is about a month ago, I broadcasted my kids' squirt hockey game. Um, you know, Minnesota, they're crazy about hockey, right? So every game this year was being live streamed, and most times they had a dad announcing it um, all year long. And so they got to, the, like, the district playoffs or whatever, and I don't want to say it was the elephant in the room, but it's like, you know, I'm an NHL radio guy, and I hadn't asked or jumped on any of the, of the webcasts my kids' hockey game yet. Now, obviously, I'm on the road. I don't get to make every game, but I was like, all right, I need to I need to do this. So I, I did broadcast the game from uh, I think we we're in Bloomington at the Ice Garden, and so I did a web stream of a squirt hockey game about a month ago. <laughs> and I will say that that was uh, I was prepared. Don't you worry, Ron and Sam. Um, but that was kind of that was different to say the least. Best. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever done any weird thing. I, like I said, I, I'm the same. I'm I'm all football. Um, I've done high school football. I guess that was interesting because high school football uh, is not a ton of action unless it's two teams that are going to like really throw the ball. So I think like I did, uh, who was it? Lakeville versus Farmington. And literally I started Tony Romo in the game at one point because uh, it's back when Bernhardt, who went to Nebraska, played for Lakeville North. And every time he came in or sorry, every time they went un- uh, unbalanced, which they put four linemen on one side, two to the other. They ran that way. And so at one point, I just start watching where he went. I'm like, oh, it's going to be toss right. Oh, here we go with toss left. Oh, they're going to counter back right, even though it looks like they might run left. And, and like I saw like tweets from parents at home watching it. They're like, man, this guy is good. I'm like, no, this, this <laughs> offense is very easy to figure out. Like Lakeville, like they told you what they're going to do. We have a D1 lineman 
six, whatever, six, six, 300 pound in high school, we're going to run behind them. And so, yeah, that, I guess that's the most unusual that it, it became so easy because Lakeville told you what they were going to do. But yeah, I'm the same. I've, mm-hmm. I've done, you know, basically just all football. Um, but I do have a good one for this next one though. So what you got next, Sam? Yeah. I want to know what Joe's favorite road NHL venue is. Cause he's probably been to every rink. I have. Um, and, and that was awesome when I finally got to the mall, to be quite honest, sort of like a little bucket list. Like, hey, I've, I've seen every building. This is also a tough one, guys, because you could factor in like away from the rink, right? City like Nashville or Vegas. Um, you could talk about the amenities within a rink, the broadcast perch, you know, how's the vantage point, the press meal, right? You got to factor in a lot of things when you're talking about a road arena. Uh, but we were just in Vegas the other night. They've got a great viewpoint there, and that building is electric. So that's a fun one. I also like going to Detroit. The building's brand new, Little Caesars Arena, and they have an awesome broadcast setup. And I like Staples Center in L.A. too, or, or it's now Crypto.com Arena. Um, their broadcast vantage point is one of the best in the league. So if I'm talking from a broadcast standpoint, um, those are some of the spots where it's easiest to call the game. You don't feel like you're a mile and a half away. Um, but obviously you got to factor in what you can do away from the rink in some of these cities that we go to, uh, whether it's dinner and night out, whether it's a day off and you're, and you're going uh, out in the afternoon, you want to sit outside, have a couple beers. Those things are all important, uh, in my opinion as well, when you're factoring a road city. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't been to it, but I'm guessing Vegas. Like I just because it's Vegas and the fact that those guys went out there for three days. I actually went to Vegas and, uh, in Reno with, uh, Anthony LaPanta friend of yours i'm pretty sure joe and so anthony lapanta and i covered uh i think four games for fs1 last year fs1 fs2 or like year before last and so we did uh like nevada versus new mexico state we did san diego state first somebody i can't remember and i'll never forget like showing up uh both times we're in vegas i think we did reno a couple times in vegas but mike russo russo shows up it's a football game has nothing to do with hockey, but he shows up because his boy is Anthony LaPanta and it is the weirdest duo I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like they are always together. Like LaPanta's wife couldn't find him. So she's, she called Russo. Like where's tell Anthony to pick They're up his close, phone. Man. They're they are tight. very close. Like we got to the uh, craps table and they had like this ritual they have to do. Like one person has to be on this side. He has to be here. His son has to be over here. Like super weird. I was like, I was at the table with him for a minute. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go walk by myself because this Ron, is getting do weird. You, do you know that they have a trip that you can like go overseas with the two of them? No. <laughs> yeah, fans sign up. They pay money to hang out with Russo and LaPant and let them tell stories. <laughs> I which I get, that. I get for free on the road. So I don't have to go to Italy. To sit with them, but that's like a <laughs> I did thing. I know that. So, I mean, do they think they're like the power trip or something? Like, is that their thought now? Like, we're we're I'm that good. I'm not going to comment any further. I'm just telling you, it's a thing. <laughs> we got to get Lapanta on now. I got to text Lapanta now. He's got to come on. Sounds uh, fun. Might yeah, join. Sit down with Lapanta and Ru- we got to. We should get them on the show at the same time. Let's just see where the stories go. But <laughs> I want to thank Joe Donald for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, it's been great having you. A lot of uh, wild takes. Love it. Looking forward to this playoff run. I'm gonna have to get Todd Fredrickson on here too because I gotta. I gotta find a way to get more playoff tickets. Um, but Joe, again, when I'm in the when I'm in the build, I'll make sure to uh, check it out. If you want to hear more of Joe Donald, make sure every K fan hockey game for the minnesota wild that's the beautiful voice you're hearing uh i'm ron johnson that's joe down the sam maxim i want to thank you guys for joining us remember you can always download 
on Amazon Fire and Roku. That's just search Locked On Sports Minnesota. And also, wherever you get your podcast, just subscribe, like, and then share. Tell us what you think. Comment. Also, let us know what you think. Is Kirill Kaprizov, that's question of the day, is Kirill Kaprizov going to be up there with Gretzky, Gretzky and Eiserman when it's all said and done? I want to thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.